to what the man in the moon tells me is the disenfranchised podcast and because he told me i'm believing it i'm your host Stephen foxworthy um in case you didn't know we're that podcast all about those franchises of one those films that fancy themselves full-fledged franchises before falling flat on their face after the first film as i said before my name is Stephen foxworthy joining me as always is uh the man who but for the whiteness of his hair pretty much would be north uh, it's my co-host brett wright hey brett Merry Christmas, uh, Stephen. And a ho, ho, ho to you, sir. Um, Brett, tis the season uh, to be jolly and whatever the hell else this movie is doing. Um, and yeah, mysterious and full of wonder. I don't know what all the, the Russian doll things he says about himself in this movie are, but damn it, Brett. Happy holidays to you. Thanks, man. Oh, don't, don't. I mean, don't say happy holidays. You're killing Christmas. No, that 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 is reserved for what is coming for our patrons here in just a few days. Um, well, yeah, don't you worry. Kirk Cameron is coming to save it. <laughs> he is he is he's doing something with it uh, for sure. Um, we'll talk a little bit more about that later in the episode. But for right now, it is our main feed Christmas episode. We've done one of these the last two years. Uh, last year we did Will Ferrell's Elf. The year before that, The Nutcracker and The Four Realms. I think Brett. The first year that we did this, I was like, don't get too excited because we probably won't do too many Christmas episodes. We've got like a backlog of Christmas episodes now that we could possibly do. Yeah, man. I, I spoke too soon a couple years ago when we did this for the first time. So, yeah, yeah, we got plenty of Christmas themed franchise failures. I mean, we've got there's the Krampus movie, all three Black Christmases, really, really. Um, I mean, there's four right there. There's probably some others that I'm forgetting. Um, yeah. uh, there's the 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 remake of Silent Night, Deadly Night. Um, the uh, you know one of those horror remakes that they did you know in the early 2000s. So, right. man, we've we've got just an embarrassment of riches. We just kind of have to have to keep this podcast going for like the next decade to cover all the Christmas episodes we need to cover. I mean, if we have to, I twist my arm. And Lord knows if this year is any indication, Hollywood's just going to keep churning out shit that's not going to get made into a franchise. So, yeah, I mean, honestly, we're never going to run out of content. Right. That's that's part of the beauty of this show is we've always got stuff we can pull. Some of it may be more well known than others, but, you know, we we got shit. That's that's the best part. So um, but but we've been kind of talking around it. Brett, what movie have we decided to pick for this year's Christmas episode for those who can't read the episode title? Uh, we're finishing up our mini series on Guardians because of the Guardians holiday special that came out a month ago at this point. And also the Guardians volume three trailer that came out also a month ago at this point. Uh, yeah, it's relevant. Shut up. We're talking about Rise of the Guardians. 2012's Rise of the Guardians from DreamWorks SKG Animation, which I think is mostly the K. Um, Written by uh, David Lindsay Abair, uh, based on a screenplay or based on the book series Guardians of Childhood by William Joyce. It is directed by Peter Ramsey and starring Alec Baldwin, Hugh Jackman, Chris Pine, Isla Fisher, Jude Law, 
and Dakota Goyo. What a cast, Brett. What a picture. Yeah, man, it's cast kind of stacked. Kind of stacked. I mean, there it, it's not deep, but it's stacked. No, yeah. Like you got you got five pretty big names right at the top there playing the 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 or I guess six, counting the five guardians and uh, Jude Law as pitch. So I mean, your your five heroes and your villain. That's that's a pretty stacked cast. You don't really need much more than that. Yeah, which is really unfortunate because I mentioned it back on our first uh, Guardians Owls Gahul. Uh, mm. whatever the long cast title of that movie is i'll never yeah, remember yeah, yeah, yeah. um that if you get a stacked voice cast with a lot of celebrities you're probably not getting even half of them back for a sequel so and the difference i think between the owls of gahul and this movie is that that is a very deep bench of a voice cast for that movie like that movie i i swear i was reading names off for 20 minutes on that episode like that's a deep, deep bench. This bench, you just got six really solid. You got five really solid performers and one person who really kind of feels like they're mailing it in a little bit. Which, which one do you feel is mailing it in? Who do you think I might feel is mailing it in on this one, Brett? I mean, the only one I could think is maybe mailing it in is Jude Law, right? But like, oh no, I didn't think Jude Law was mailing it no, in. At I, all. I mean, I didn't really get a phoning it in vibe off of anybody. Isla Fisher was giving me a little kind of like, I'm just saying words kind of vibe. You think so? I thought so. A few times I was kind of like, mm. maybe I don't know. that was I the didn't... impression. That was the impression that I, but she's also one of the very few people who's not like pulling a weird voice in this movie also. So there's that. True. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, Hugh Jackman. Is I was going to say, I was about to say Hugh Jackman's just talking like he normally does, but you do have Alec Baldwin doing russian santa claus um which is a choice look i loved it honestly i mean it's it is it is kind of great um maybe one of alec baldwin's best performances that's not true glengarry glenn ross exists um that movie you've never seen glengarry glenn ross have you uh not outside of the one clip everybody knows right his scene yeah yeah I mean, which is not in the actual play. It's it's only in the movie. Like David Mamet wrote that ex- specifically for the movie. Uh, but uh, Jack Lemmon did call that the best cast he has ever been a part of. Uh, and it is fucking stacked, too. So speaking of stacked casts, Glengarry Glenn Ross, fantastic. Um, but we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about 2012's Rise of the Guardians, which features Alec Baldwin as Russian Santa Claus. Who dual wields... Uh, sabers mm-hmm. as uh, his, his uh, arms are naughty and nice. Mm-hmm. Tattoos, yeah. Tattoos has um, has a giant mink hat, um, just like the one that George has to buy or that Elaine buys George in that uh, that one episode of Seinfeld. Um, like it's it, it, the choices are kind of wild, man. Uh, the Easter Bunny uh, is from Australia and throws boomerangs. His name is E. Aster Bunnymund. Um, the tooth fairy is named Toothiana, and she's covered with like, she's like a bird woman more than she is like a fairy. Well, that's fairy. That's that's a fairy. Fair. And the Sandman is this like little round dude who like doesn't talk and just has little sand emojis appear above his head. But he's also like somehow the most badass one of all of them. <laughs> yeah. Just this like happy go lucky little round boy, but you know, kicks so much ass. 
Yeah, who has one of my uh, one of what I thought was one of the funnier moments of the film um, when they accidentally wake up the kids and have to put them back to sleep. Mm-hmm. And is like, we got to knock him back out, and he he starts to go actually start punching him. <laughs> uh, yeah, that I mean, he is he's the and when they're when everyone gets on Santa's sleigh for the first time, and Bunny's like freaking out, and Sandman's just having the best time, just like cackling and laughing, and he's just like a big kid, and I love him so much. Yeah, there's a lot of characters in this movie to like. I like yeah. pretty much all of them. Right. Yeah. They've, they've kind of all got their moments too. And like, they've all got their, their things that they contribute. Like it's, it's kind of really well fleshed out. Like, I don't think you could add any other characters and keep this dynamic working as well as it does. So. Yeah, I agree. Um, But yeah, so uh, I guess the elephant in the room, Brett, mm. is that anyone who's seen this movie knows that it does not take place at Christmas. No, it does not. It takes place at Easter. But let me tell you, it's hard to tell. Because um, if it's taking place during Easter, we're, winter has gone on for way too long. Um, First of all, Brett, climate change is a thing. Well, sure. Yeah, you're not wrong. Um, but I, I don't know. Depending on when Easter falls. The earliest Easter can fall is late March. Um, March 22nd. So it can happen particularly with climate change, not that climate change. Is oh, well, yeah. I, I expect it to do this forever now. Right. I, I honestly was thinking about it like 20 minutes ago before we started recording. Like, I don't think we'll ever have a white Christmas again. Like, I think white Christmases are just not a thing that exists anymore. Like we got like a little bit of snow here in Indianapolis today, uh, but barely enough to make coverage. Like, I just don't think at least around this area, I don't think white Christmases are going to be a thing anymore no not not well i mean indiana has always kind of been this we're an anomaly we're we're Mm. not we're not the extremes of the north we're the midwest man yeah well i even well but like sure but also like illinois is midwest but they get shit tons of snow sometimes they did they've not gotten much today per people that i speak with on a regular basis who live in illinois yeah but i i remember the gigantic snowstorm they had not too long ago sure so because they're they're close to you know the lake effect stuff oh oh i went to school in illinois i know all about the lake effect yeah which is to say i heard people say it a lot during the four years that i lived there (laughs) right yeah no this is it seems like indiana and and to some extent ohio are kind of in this sort of anomaly area where we we don't get very many extremes of weather sometimes tornadoes and that's about all we get but not. But even then, they're never like terrible tornadoes. We used to get earthquakes, but the, we haven't had one of those in over a decade. So, yeah, and even those and even then, bad. that wasn't very big. Yeah, no, they weren't very bad. We're just so, you know, we're we're in a we're in a nice, safe location where nothing dangerous weather wise weather wise uh, really happens. What 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 dangerous thing could you be talking about, Brett? Oh, I don't know. Gary, Indiana exists. <laughs> there was a time when Indianapolis, Indiana had the most murders per capita of any city in the United States. So Yeah, and then the pandemic made everybody leave downtown and then those those rates dropped. Um but, Yeah, this has been Indiana Talk. Um Good Lord, what what is wrong with us, Brett? 
I don't know, man. We got to make the usual spiel at the beginning. Like, what do we got to say? What's your history with Santa Claus, mythical creatures? Right, right. I I grew up believing in pretty much all of these except the Sandman and Jack Frost. Like, uh, did I believe in the Boogeyman? Sure. Santa Claus? Absolutely. Easter Bunny? Unequivocally. Tooth Fairy? More than any of the others. She brought cold, hard cash. Um, And not, not anything so small as a quarter. Like, let's be honest. Inflation has driven that price up. Oh, good lord! Yeah, like if you, the tooth fairy for me would leave uh, varying amounts based on size of tooth. Mm. So I'm actually going to text my sister right now. This is going to be a common thread for this episode. I'm going to text my sister right now because she has uh, children and I don't. I'm going to ask her what the going rate for a tooth is right now, and uh, hopefully by the end of the episode we'll have an answer. Wonderful. I, I don't think she does the tooth fairy thing with her kids, but I'm hoping that she still reimburses them for teeth. Yeah. But I mean, that's, that's the interesting thing about this movie though, right? Right. You, know, you kind of run out of, you know, I mean, you, I guess you call them mythological creatures. Um, I would say legendary. Legendary. Yeah. Whatever term you want to use. Uh you kind of run out of ones that you quote unquote believe in. Uh, right. I mean, and they, they kind of run through a couple when the man in the moon decides to choose the next guardian uh, at the beginning of the film, like they they suggest a leprechaun. And then of course, bunny is very opposed to the groundhog, but like who else? I know. I mean, Cupid for Valentine's day, probably that's more overtly mythological uh, father time, perhaps. Um, if we need an older member, uh, but like there aren't a lot of other, I'm actually thinking of the council from like Santa Claus three, because a lot of the same characters that are in rise of the guardians are also a part of the, the council of mythological creatures as they exist in the Santa Claus. I think it's three. It might actually be in two as well. Or if you want to go the LXG route, we could have uncle Sam and just throw him in there. Like just a overtly American character. Sure. Yeah. Well, and I mean, in in terms of a lot of the lore, these are kind of overtly Americanized versions of these characters in a lot of ways. I mean, except for Russian Santa. Except, well, but but still, even a lot of the, um, a, a lot of the kind of the the trappings of that are, are are still somewhat Americanized, even if the voice is not. Like the the sleigh and the reindeer is very much the American, um the Americanized image of Santa Claus, all that stuff. So, I mean, there's still a lot of the American lore that gets deferred to here. Okay. Here are the members of the mythological organization in Santa Claus three. It is the tooth fairy played by Art LaFleur, who is the guy that plays Babe Ruth in the Sandlot. Uh, Aisha Tyler as mother nature, Kevin Pollock as Cupid, uh, Jay Thomas, who uh, from Mr. Holland's Opus, as the Easter Bunny, Commander Worf himself, Michael Dorn as the Sandman, and the late great Peter Boyle as Father Time. So no leprechaun, no no ground dog, nope. Okay. Here's what my sister says. Um, she says, I give my kids a dollar a tooth. Other parents have been known to give them more, but they barely did anything, so I'm not spoiling them. <laughs> Which is 100% my sister's answer. <laughs> sure. 
Yeah. I mean, what are kids going to do with a dollar nowadays? I mean, true. And I mean, but her kids are young enough that like, it's fine. It's fine. Mm, sure. They don't, they don't have anything they need. That's the thing. Kids don't really have anything they need to spend money on. Well, looking back as an adult, no. But as a child, you have so much you want to spend money on. Uh, well, again, yeah, because because your parents won't buy you things, the things that you want, like video games and comic books and candy. So, sure. sure. Now, I would argue, though, um, to go back a little bit, uh, just I mean, just because this version of Santa originated out of American folklore. He's he's become the worldwide recognized version of Santa. Just because it started in America, not doesn't mean he's the American. He would be the American representative. I mean, we do talk a lot in our upcoming Patreon episode about the evolution of Santa Claus. So you might want to join the Patreon, tune in for that. Yeah, if you want the actual lore on Santa Claus, go check that out. I I do a whole lore dump as the lore master. It will be dropping uh, in three days as of the release of this episode. So make sure you check that out Um, on Christmas Day on the Patreon. We recorded that with our good buddy Tucker. So uh, but 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 then again, this is supposed to be the canonical Santa Claus. So this is the one about whom the legends were created. So like most of the things, most of the things that. created the American legend of Santa Claus were cribbed from in very small pieces from some of these other conceptions of Santa Claus. Um, Things like the naughty list and the, uh, the, the sleigh with the reindeer, the fact that it flies. Uh, I mean, and, and again, we get into all of this behind the paywall, but sure. That's, I mean, that's the original lore, right? But the, the lore of this movie which how do, you, I, how do you know that this is actually the original Santa Claus that everything was based on? Like, there's nothing to say that he wasn't chosen by the moon when it, what, however he was chosen. I don't know if you have to die to become a chosen mythical creature, but like, did whenever that happened, you're saying he came right out of that as this Santa Claus. The impression that I get, like, I don't think Santa Claus rules apply here. Like, like we see them in the Tim Allen film, the Santa Claus, um, in that, you know, once Santa dies, someone else replaces his mantle. Well, no, that's not what I'm saying. I'm I'm implying, I'm implying that like he changed who he was over time based on how people believed in him, which seems very in line with the lore of this whole universe, which could very well be. The impression that I get is that he kind of and and this is based on what Pitch says when he when he says that he was not he was deselected by the man in the moon. Um, And, you know, he chose you instead you to be, you know, bastions of hope and kindness and goodwill, as opposed to me, fear and scary things. Um, And the the impression that I get is that the moment he deselected Pitch he selected these other guardians uh, to kind of take his place, like after the dark ages. So the impression that I get is that he chooses Santa or Mr. North, as he is known here, um, as he is to be basically, honestly, this movie dares Brett asked the question, what if Gru from despicable me was Santa Claus? You've got a weird Russian Eastern European accent. You've got all sorts of uh, miniature 
um, speechless um, comic relief imps uh, that kind of follow him around and do his bidding. Um, in Despicable Me, they're called minions. Here, they're called elves. Like, I don't know, man. What if? What if? No. What if Gru was? What if? What if Gru was Santa Claus? I don't don't pull a muscle reaching. Um, like, what do I look like, Kirk Cameron? <laughs> it's, yeah, it's a callback joke to an episode you all haven't even heard yet. <laughs> hasn't even come out. <laughs> um, but like, I mean, I get it. But like, look, Santa Claus and his elves were around well before Despicable Me was. I know, but uh, again, it seems like they're kind of cribbing. And again, that's something like DreamWorks animation tends to do. They tend to crib from what works. Well, sure, but they they didn't lean into it. Like, if anything, his minions are the Yetis. Like the elves are honestly barely in the movie. I wish they were in it more, to be honest with you. They're kind I of fun. The elves, they were hilarious. Um, way funnier than I've ever found a minion. Mm. Um, but well, the minions, the minions, Brett, the minions insist upon themselves, really. They really do. Yeah. They're just like, we know you're going to love this shit. And you know what? Kids really did. And you know who else did? Uh, middle-aged moms on Facebook really fucking love those minions. Um yeah. And also Gen Z. Gen Z really fucking loved the Minions. They grew up with the Minions. They were kids when that movie first came out. Yeah, and then they made it really uncomfortable. By, like, dressing up in suits and throwing bananas at movie theater screens. Um, You know what, man? Here's the thing. If we'd had the internet to the extent that they did when we were kids, we'd be doing shit like that, too. Maybe, but I'd like to think we were a generation that had a little bit more class than that. I mean, every generation would like to think that. I'm not inclined to believe that that's true. <laughs> well, you are the more cynical of the two of us. I really so. am, yeah. <laughs> like, everyone wants to believe that when they were kids, everything was good. Like, you know, the entertainment was great and didn't rot your brain. And, um, But, you well, know. that I don't buy. Our entertainment absolutely did rot our brain. Oh, our entertainment was shit, man. Um, I don't know if I go that far. But, you know, I look back at the stuff my dad liked when he was a kid, and I'm like, that's kind of shit, too. Um, So, Yeah, I'm not going to go that far. I don't think our entertainment was shit. It was just... We didn't know any better. We're kids, man. Kids' entertainment's not very good, usually. It doesn't have to be. Well, no, it doesn't. But we've got plenty of stuff that holds up. I mean... Take the X-Men 90s series, for example. That shit still holds up. You know why? It's cribbing from an incredibly great storied run of comic books. Well, sure. But so is the Spider-Man animated series, and that hasn't aged well. (laughs) I I think there are reasons for that also, but we don't necessarily need to get into those now. No, I'd rather not. I feel like that's an argument waiting to happen too. Yeah, I also feel like that's possible too. And I know you know how bo- how non-confrontational the two of us tend to be. Yeah. Uh but Brett, I think it's probably before we get too 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 deeper into this movie cuz I am going to want to start probing you uh with questions about the oh, lore oh, in this oh, movie. Oh. Let's not do any probing, please. Look, man, tis the season. I don't know what the fuck that means. I'm tired. <laughs> um just the what? <laughs> Merry Christmas, everybody. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Let's, let's throw some lights around the probe. Uh, <laughs> candlelight, specifically. Yeah, candlelight. Get the Yule log all toasty. Yeah. Um, 
<laughs> the fuck is wrong with me? They're ready for the seasonal probing. <laughs> I'm going to take that again. Brett, I have some questions that I would like to ask you regarding the lore of this movie. But before we get too much deeper <clears throat> into uh, this episode. Oh, God. Um, we first need to talk about the. This is our Christmas episode, too. What the hell is my God problem? bless us, everyone. <laughs> what the hell? Okay. We need to talk about the plot of this movie, which we usually do in 60 seconds or less. That's right, everybody. It's time for the plot in 60 seconds. This is the part of the show where we flip a coin. It is an actual coin, and we call it the coin of justice. Its rulings are never wrong. We flip the coin of justice, and the coin of justice, and the coin of justice alone determines which of us, Brett or I, will be recounting the plot of this film in 60 seconds or less. Brett, I have the coin at the ready if you are ready to call it in the air. Always, because I call the same thing. All right, here goes. It's heads. It is tails. Well, what do you know? Well, what? It's a Christmas miracle. (laughs) Is it, though? For me. Uh, Yeah. Or is it? Because you called heads, so wouldn't you need... This is not a bit. I legitimately forgot how heads and tails works. If you call heads and it comes You've up tails. You've me now. Yes. No, that it's a Christmas miracle for you. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> Brett, I don't. Should we just scrap the, the, all the, this and start the, this episode over? <laughs> the disappointment in your voice. I was like, oh, that means I won. No, no that just means you were confused as usual. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not smart. I'm not a smart uh, man, Brett. Don't worry. You'll get it. You'll get it at some point. I believe in you. I've, I, I think actually there were a couple episodes early on where we did legitimately get it wrong. Um, I'm going to have to go. I mean, you did. I'm pretty yeah, sure right. I always knew how it worked. Uh, you could have corrected me at any point, but I don't, I think sure it I went. Did, though. Look, I haven't listened to those original episodes. They were no. recorded two years ago. So. Exactly. Lord only knows what mistakes we made. At one point I was going to, for our, like hundredth episode, I was going to go through and like tally up all the the who won every coin toss that we'd ever had but i i, I got bored Don't put yourself through that if i can anything, only listen to myself talk for so long before i just want to like make my head explode if anything we're going to go back and record some of those earlier episodes mm, wink yeah yeah but yeah so uh brett let me get 60 seconds on the clock here and uh, we sure. can have you recount the plot of uh, my camera is not my calculator is, which is also not my timer. Lord, um, I <laughs> did I mention I'm very tired tonight? Maybe. Merry Christmas, everybody. Get some sleep. Uncle Steven had a little too much eggnog this morning. Um, this morning. I, I just I shouldn't talk, Brett. That's my problem. I opened yeah. my mouth. You had some this morning, and then you just kept having some. That's how it works. Cause of and solution to all of life's problems. Um, we have 60 seconds on the clock. You let me know when you are ready, and uh, I will go ahead and uh, let you know when 30 and 10 seconds come up on the time. Um, are you ready, sir? Ho, ho, ho. Let's go, go, go. Your time starts right now. All right, a movie opens where we uh, see Jack Frost retelling what happened when he was born, quote-unquote. 
Um, we then go and meet all of the guardians who are all of the mythical creatures we've already mentioned on this episode. I'm not going to say them again. Um, and we find out that there's a new guardian being summoned. And oh no, it's Jack Frost. But nobody believes in him. So how is he a guardian? And he doesn't care. Um, but as it turns out, the boogeyman, Pitch Black, um, is stealing kids' dreams all seconds. over the world and turning them into nightmares. Literal nightmares, the horse nightmares. Um, and um, so the Guardians have to fight him. And Jack Frost has to learn who he was and what his core is. And he finds that and learns that the power of friendship um, will save the day. And they get Ten seconds. kids to believe in all of them again after um, the Boogeyman stops that. And then they win. All of them win. They live happily ever after. Time. There it is. There we go. Yeah, that was a thing. Yeah, that. I mean, hey, it's a movie that we watched. And okay. here's the thing, Brad. Like if I can a just bit better than that. If I can just say this, actually, this movie is actually really fun. I thought so too. Yeah. I I will say it is the best movie that we have watched as part of this miniseries for sure. No, I got. Well, I wouldn't say that, but I don't know which of the other two is better. Yeah, because I know it's not better than Guardians for me. Uh, and I know it's not better than the Owls of Gahul. For me. Oh, you mean this? Man, I thought you meant overall the Christmas movies we've covered. Oh no, 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 oh, no! Okay. The the Guardians miniseries that we've watched over the last. Oh few yeah, weeks. yeah. This is easily the best one of the series. Easily the best one. Now, Brett, I did tell you before. I had a I had a massive leap in logic that would tie the three movies in this series together. This movie is actually the linchpin that ties these three movies together. All right. So you've got Legend of the Guardians, the Owls of Gahul, which is a about a legendary, uh, a, a team of ancient legendary owls that are older than they look, uh, that fought uh, an ancient battle against an evil and must rise to do it again. Uh, then you've got the 2017 movie uh, Guardians, about a team of Russian superheroes that are all older than they look, um, who are uh, essentially imbued with powers and must fight a weird cyborg evil thing. Um, but they're led by a, uh, a large bearded Russian man. Um, uh, and one, and uh, one of them happens to have swords. Um, and so then you get to rise of the guardians, which is about a group of legendary creatures older than they look who are, uh, who are called upon to once again, fight an evil that they have fought before. And, um, one of them happens to be in, uh, an ageless bearded Russian man who happens to have swords. Yeah. There, there's a couple spots there where I feel like that needs, that needs some revision, but I know where you're going. You, you understand what I'm talking about. Yeah. Cause the Russian bearded man in guardians didn't have swords. That was Khan. Um, right. Right. Your description there seemed to imply that the bearded Russian man was the one with the swords and guardians. No, I said one of them had one of them had swords, but not the bearded one. Right. I don't know. It's the wording. We'll revise it. It'll, we'll it's clean fine. It up. It'll be fine. Yeah, um, we'll, we'll, we'll yeah, fix no. it in post. Well done. Tucker, fix that in post. That's nah, impressive. Don't we'll do that. That's really impressive. Oh, and uh, also the first one and the, the first movie is based on a series of YA novels. And so is this one. Well, that doesn't connect all three of them, but sure. No, but it, it, I mean, it's another linchpin part that you, this movie ties in the other two. So. Sure. So, yeah. Is Oak is fine. So Brett, the lore. 
I need to know. Uh-huh. How did you feel about the lore of this movie? What were your feelings? What were your thoughts? Um, I know you have them. You are, of course, the resident lore meister for the Disenfranchised podcast. So I know you've got feelings on the lore in this movie. Um, what did you like? What did you not like? Or lore meister, meister lore. Lore meister, uh, meister lore. I, I mainly just have a lot of questions about how this universe works. Um, the main one being... Do adults know that these beings exist because their children have to be telling them that, like, because, I mean, the the parents encourage them to put the teeth under their pillow and, like, Mm -hmm. you know, they facilitate the Christmas festivities and the Easter festivities. So you got to think the parents know that these beings exist. This is the problem with the lore that I run to and run into in almost every Christmas movie that exists because the, indi- the, 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 the central conceit of most of these is that the grownups don't believe and the kids do. And so the kids have to convince the grownups that the thing that they've stopped believing in is actually real. And so I guess the notion is as you grow out of the Santa myth, you have like your parents have to start doing the Christmas work of like putting presents under the tree and like have to start eating the milk and cookies you're putting out for Santa, stuff like that. Like it gets kind of like, that's always the part where these kind of Christmas movies and the lore they try to build kind of falls apart for me is that, and again, spoiler alerts for Christmas. Um, but, but Santa has been your parents all along. I'm sorry if I have to be the one to tell you that. Um, but like, yeah, that's, and again, my hope, well, I would say hopefully my nephews aren't watching, listening to this, but A, why would they? And B, their mom doesn't let them believe in Santa because, you know, my sister. Which, I mean, like, I, there, there are definitely some millennial and Gen Z philosophies that I buy into. Um, one of them, you know, generally not wanting kids and not wanting to bring them into this world. That's sure. one of those. Um but the one that people seem to have adopted that really super cynical, I'm not going to lie to my kids and tell them that Santa Claus is, is real. Mm-hmm. Fuck you. Like, that's just like, let kids have some fucking magic in their lives. Like, let them believe in something for a little while. That's all. I, the reason I, the one reason that I've heard that I actually bought, and this was from a, a guy I used to teach with, um, and I asked him like how he does the Santa thing with his kids. And he says, I don't. And I said, well, why not? And he goes, well, and again, he's, he's a, he's, he was a pastor's kid, like grew up in the church. Um, he goes, I don't want my kid at an age where he's learning about these biblical stories. Um, I don't want him to equate the things that he's learning in Sunday school with things like Santa Claus and have him like, and have to explain one of these isn't real, but the other one is because the kids can't really see either of them. You're hearing just stories about them and you're expected to just buy into one, but not the other. Like that's, that seems so the way he explained that to me, it made sense to me. Um, but my sister's just like, I don't know. I'm not going to tell my kids about, about Santa. So my mom would always put Santa on presents and my sister would be like, it's actually from your grandma. Like that's who that's my sister. So yikes, yikes! That's that's fucked up. Um, 
But I'm sure. I mean, I, I had a feeling you were going in a Christian direction with that. Um, that I, you I'm should. My surprised face. Um, <laughs> you should have. You should have brought that up for the Saving Christmas episode. That feels like something he would have put in that movie. Um, Honestly, it does. And the fact that he doesn't. Well, of course he doesn't. He wants you to think that Santa Claus is, you know, a badass. Is <clears throat> based. Yeah, sure. He's based on a real person, but he's not magical. Um and but what yeah. we what we call Santa Claus has literally no connection whatsoever to that actual historical figure. And I mean, spoilers from my perspective. Uh, same with Jesus; uh, he was a real person, but he didn't have magical powers. So you know, if you want to go that route, I guess. But anyway, <laughs> Stephen Foxworthy smiling politely. Yeah, yeah. Steve, Stephen's giving me a look right now. Just like, let's wrap this up. Um, <laughs> Go go off go off Queen I'm just, uh, I'll just I'll just sit quietly aside not me no, it's all right we, we can move on from this line of thinking uh, but to steer it back um, sure sure I get I get what you mean and I yeah I guess it does take some leaps in logic to figure out that like you believe in these as a kid then you stop mm-hmm. but if if you become a parent, you realize that everything was real. I guess is the circle. I yeah. Until it until they stop believing, in which case it turns and it's not anymore. Well, until well, yeah. I guess until their kids get to the point where they stop believing, right? The parents stop, but but like if the parents get to the point where they know it was all real. Right. And see, they this wouldn't. is why this always falls apart for me in all these Christmas movies where the the whole central conceit is the adults don't believe. Like, and, who's and, giving everybody Christmas if these people don't believe in Santa Claus? And where do the parents think this Christmas is coming from? Is Santa sprinkling like magical? I did this all myself. Memory wipe men in black, du- like neuralizer dust on them. I don't know. Yeah. And why? But if but if that the cycle I just described happens, why don't the parents' beliefs when they see it actually happening count for the beliefs in the 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 guardians? Why is it only kids? And yeah, and again, I I guess the most obvious answer is these are children's books. Um, sure, and maybe they're more. This is expounded upon in the series right this is not a series of books that you and i are familiar with so let's talk a little bit about the series um it's a a book called or a series called the guardians of childhood it's a five book series written by uh william joyce um the, the five book series uh this is i think it looks like to be mostly based on the first book which is called nicholas saint north and the battle of the nightmare king uh, the second book is E. Aster Bunnymund and the Warrior Eggs at the Earth's Core. Toothiana, Queen of the Tooth Fairy Armies, is number three. Uh, number four, The Sandman and the War of Dreams. And five, Jack Frost, The End Becomes the Beginning. Sandman um, and the War of Dreams sounds sick as hell. Honestly, I kind of want to read all of these because they sound pretty badass. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. Like, And this is one of those, like, series where this is one of those movies where you watch the movie and you're like, I don't know. I kind of want to read this series. Like this seems kind of interesting to me and they're kids books. So I can't imagine they're going to be a really difficult read. No, that I'll probably be able to knock those things out in less than a day. Yeah. Like, or, you know, 
at best a short weekend like yeah you know or worst i guess at worst a short weekend like this these this should not be a difficult read but yeah like i don't know i find these this like this the lore of this really fascinating and i think the character studies are really interesting like i like the way that the character the characters here i think are really well conceived and really well drawn not in an animated style but drawn as in drawing out a character like i think they're just they, their arcs are really well done really well conceived you can tell the lore is thought out which means that it comes from somewhere in something and as with all lore there are things that you you bend and you twist and you sometimes kind of make it look like something else like you know maybe you favor the more americanized versions of these characters maybe you don't um so yeah like I don't know. It, it 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 kind of fascinates me enough that I would be interested in in checking out this series at a later time just to see what else is there. Yeah, and I and it makes me think based on the lore and the fleshing out that's been done. Mm. It and I mean I I like a movie that makes me ask questions about the lore because that means I care about it. Right. Um because why why you were mentioning that, I was just thinking so before the moon chooses Jack Mm. was there another jack frost or else was the world just not cold until he was chosen or was it cold but there wasn't like a spirit of cold yeah like how does that work like it was was there like, never are these, an easter before the easter bunny existed are these universal constants or are they something else and i mean don't and and that of course that gets into the whole what is easter is it the pagan is it the pagan you know fertility festival is it the the Christian celebration of Christ's death and resurrection. Like what are we talking about when we talk about Easter here? Yeah, that, it obviously... That's the one that really gets into like the Americanized, like this is the Americanized deity. If we want to talk about an American faction deity, mm. it's the Easter bunny, even though he's Australian for some reason. I love that detail though. It's really fun. And yeah. you know, you get Hugh Jackman being Hugh Jackman and doing Hugh Jackman things like Hugh Jackman. Have we have? I guess we have. I guess it's not been since Van Helsing, though, that we've really had an opportunity to talk about Hugh Jackman, though. Right. Like it's it's been a hot minute. It's it's been a minute, yeah. So I mean, Hugh Jackman, a, a favorite performer of ours, to be sure. Uh, but he plays E. Aster Bunnymund, aka Bunny, the Easter Bunny, and he plays him as an Australian with uh with with a bunch of boomerangs. Like that's pretty fucking fun. And can just like tap the ground with his foot and create rabbit holes to anywhere he wants to go. Exactly. Just can create a, like a, an elaborate system of tunnels that can basically take him anywhere. Um, really fun character, really fun characterization. He's depicted as very tall, um, almost Bugs Bunny-esque in terms of his build and character design until he, until kids stop believing in him because uh, Pitch steals the, breaks all the Easter eggs. And so, um, kids stop believing in him. So he turns into a tiny little bunny rabbit. And it's the most adorable thing, but he still talks like Hugh Jackman. And so it's so great. Like you get this kind of like gruff, tough voice with an Australian accent coming out of this tiny little bunny. So cute. Then he starts scratching his, scratching his neck and he's Mm -hmm. like, stop it. Stop it. He really enjoys it. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Like I, it, I, I, yeah, I love that. I love, Mr. North or, or Nicholas St. North as the uh, the kind of Russian badass Santa who's in this kind of like industrialized North Pole um, 
as kind of the Lord ruler of the guardians by virtue of the fact that he's fucking Santa Claus. He's like the king of this shit anyway. So like, yeah. And the rivalry that he has with the Easter bunny that they even touch on. Yeah. Christmas is not Easter or Easter is not Christmas. That's what he says. Yeah. The Easter bunny has some sort of rebuttal. I don't remember what it was. Right. He's, but the, the initial conversation is like, look, if I pull this shit on you two days before Christmas, he's like, ah, but the Easter is not Christmas. So, and then he's like, look, we're talking about hand painted eggs or something like that. Like, or I got, I still got like 2 million more eggs to paint or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I, I liked that. I thought that was a cool touch. I like the, I like the, the, the touch of Santa where like he, all of the Yetis are doing the toy work mm-hmm. and he just perpetuates the elf myth because the elves don't know that. Like they're just like he's humoring the elves. Like right. they make them think they're the ones doing all this work because they're that stupid. Which they are, and it's hilarious. I mean, in that respect, they are very minion like. Yeah. I mean, the first thing we see them do is like licking Santa's cookies. And that's not like euphemistic. Like he's there are Christmas cookies that they're making, and they're supposed to be fetching them for him, and they're just like eating them, licking them, like just enjoying these Christmas cookies. And then they like spit them out and bring them over to him. One of them literally spits the crumbs onto the plate as they hand it to him. Like just really got just funny little detail. I thought Yeah. Um, the, the mid credit scene where it's, uh, it's trying out the, the dog treat right. and really likes it, really enjoys it. Right. I love that. They're the ones tasked with like bringing all these sleeping kids back to their homes. That and was hilarious. It's, it's maybe one of the funniest parts of the movie is that mid credit scene where they're, they're, where they're putting the kids back on uh, like two days after Easter or whenever it is like, it, it's just a lot of fun. Yeah. Now then let's let's all uh show some sympathy for the Yeti that has to paint all those things, which is a fantastic running joke throughout the entire movie. Yes. <clears throat> a little too much like Christmas. Throw some blue on there. And he's got like this two pyramids full of like red Easter eggs that he's painted. Yeah, which and then then he's he's painting eggs blue. And right. Easter bunny walks by eh, not really Easter. Paint can you paint those red? <laughs> So good. So good. Oh man. This, yeah. And this, this movie is full of like, again, and I think for me, it's, it's the characters that really kind of bring this thing to life. They're so often you let the mythology of the thing do the heavy lifting for you. Like a lazier screenplay would let the mythology kind of carry it. Like, you know, Santa, you know, the Easter bunny, you know, the tooth fairy, you know, the Santa. like, these are all like universal things that, you know, we don't have to explain to you what those are. But these are so different from those conceptions that we have that those conceptions we have pretty much just provide the framework. Like they lay the foundation and then the movie builds on that and diverges from that in really fun and interesting ways that keep the story engaging. Um, And, and again, they're all kind of these, even Sandman who doesn't talk is still like this really fun, compelling little character. Um, yeah, like I, I love all like um, the two, the tooth fairy, Toothiana, who's basically controls these armies of of fairies and like protects the memories and, and like chronicles and protects the memories of children, which are stored in their baby teeth. What the fuck? Yeah, I mean, I, I love that idea, actually. Like why it, it makes the it gives it the gives them fairy. a 
Right. It gives the reason for that character to exist. Yeah. Like, cause like, I think the, maybe the original lore of the tooth fairy was made way more dark and just like gross. Um, Probably. But, cause I mean, it was, it was a fairy fairies traditionally an original, like Scottish and Irish folklore. Right. Fucking terrible. Right. Um, kind of an impish sort of character. Yeah. But I, I thought it was really cool to give them a reason to be collecting teeth and cataloging memories. And I thought that was really cool. Right. Um, you know, the, the idea that, um, yeah, that, and that's why North or I'm sorry, that's why pitch needs these, you know, these, these teeth, it it kind of imbues them with a sense of value, but also plays a role in Jack's individual story because Jack, before he was, before he died was an actual human child whose teeth were collected by the tooth fairy at some point. Um, which again kind of begs the question are some of these characters universal constants and some of them not like how does this pro i i I assume the vetting is all done by the man on the moon like that's really what it seems like and the man on the moon manny (laughs) manny the man on the moon who more or less chooses who is and is not a guardian and who is and is not imbued with these power there are others who are imbued with similar powers that are not guardians like the aforementioned leprechaun and the aforementioned groundhog um also mother nature and father time and cupid probably like we've we've got these other characters that are just don't have that aren't a part of this organization so you know what is it about these this this group of characters specifically other than those are the ones that william joyce chose i suppose but yeah yeah but yeah man i don't know like i I think I think the movie does the lore pretty, pretty well. Honestly, I really do. I think there's some some good stuff here um, with regard to the lore that at least makes me want again. It kind of makes me want to check out the book since I know we're not getting any more movies. uh, They've been basically talking about it for 10 years and it doesn't seem like it's going to happen. A lot of things that were in development got killed off by COVID. I don't think people are really clamoring for a Rise of the Guardians sequel at this point. But, you know, there have been longer gestation points for for movies. But in terms of box office, this one actually did pretty well. So I'm kind of I mean, they were certainly talking about a sequel to this movie, but didn't actually ultimately pull the trigger to get one made. Which is surprising. Like, But I don't know, like, didn't um, didn't Guardians of Ghoul do really? I don't remember. Did it do really good at the box office or did it I, not? Oh, I believe it did. Let me I can I can double check the numbers real quick. Um, it's just like I don't I don't know what it is like even when a animated movie does really well they still just don't want to sequelize it for some reason right don't really know why that is well and I mean those animated films are not cheap to make historically because everything that you see on screen has to be created for those um Oh, no, it didn't do very well at the box office. It only made uh, about $55.7 million at the box office. This movie did significantly better than Legend of the Guardians. Oh, okay. Well, still, I think the reason I, I must be thinking that because this is a pattern of some kind I've noticed. Um, or maybe not. Who knows? It is my brain we're talking about. <laughs> Lord knows it's been wrong plenty of times. But no, I mean, we have run into instances of that happening. The most obvious one that we were talking over on our disenfranchised text thread with Tucker earlier, um, the solo. 
a movie that got made over two hundred million dollars at the domestic box office, and even and you know, an, an additional at least hundred million overseas, um, to where we get to, but but because of the fan reaction to the previous entry in the franchise, it didn't perform as well as they expected it to, so they canceled the sequel plans for the other two solo movies or for the Obi Wan movie, which became the Obi Wan. Uh, television show or the Boba Fett movie that the guy who did fan four stick was supposed to do. Like we just kind of dropped the ball on those proposed sequels to that movie because fans didn't like it as much as they liked the force awakens, I guess. Mm. Yeah. So it's like compared to expectations it performs, but I mean, but even like, um, uh, another example that I'm thinking of is um, Oz the Great and Powerful. Like that movie fucking made bank at the box office, both foreign and domestic. Like it, it cleaned up, but we never got a sequel. And at this point, we're unlikely to ever get one um, because of the because of, I don't know, questions like and because, again, at this point, the James Franco of it all pretty much makes it unlikely we'll ever get a sequel, uh, even if they wanted to make one. But yeah, man, I don't know. It just. It it just sometimes sometimes they don't strike while the iron is hot and a thing can easily leave the cultural consciousness or it it performs better in theaters than it would on home video like something. It doesn't always translate well, like there are movies that did really well that got sequels that once the sequel comes out, people are like, oh, really? We're doing a sequel to that? Forgetting casually that that thing made so much money the year before, two years before. So, yeah, I mean. Look, I'm going to assume the general public doesn't give two shits about box office numbers anyway. They're not paying attention to how much money a movie made. No. They're just going to go, oh, I like that. I'll see. I'll watch a sequel. And Mm -hmm. I hated that. I'll watch a sequel. Or or like you said, that got a sequel? Right. Which is a question that I uh, have asked many times. Or, you know, I've used the phrase a sequel no one asked for. That 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 was one I loved when I was, you know, just a few years younger than I am now. Um so, but, but, and again, it's, it's hard to gauge on these things sometimes. Like they were absolute, like it's good. This got an A cinema score and they were like, I don't know if it does well in the box office, we could do a sequel or two or three. Like maybe we could make this a franchise. And here's the thing. If there's a studio that's going to turn an animated film into a franchise, it's DreamWorks. They did it with Shrek. They did it with Kung Fu Panda. Like they're a proven commodity. And it, it feels like almost every movie that comes out of DreamWorks is, they're angling for that sequel, like Megamind, um, Road to El Dorado. Like they're they're angling for those to become. We could probably do an entire theme month on DreamWorks animation. We could honestly, if we hadn't done this movie this year, we could have done DreamWorks December next year. But son of a bitch. Ah, well, is fine. There isn't four more DreamWorks failed franchises we could do. There are, but none of them are Christmas related. That's fine. We'd need something to slip into the Christmas line. We'd have to hope that the DreamWorks animation film that year was bad, did badly enough in theaters that it wouldn't be angling for a sequel. So, all right. Well, we'll we'll revisit that later. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll get we'll come back to it. We could do it another month. It's just DreamWorks December just had that nice kind of ring to it. We like the alliteration. For we sure. do when when we can. We like to employ. That's why we did all about Arnold April, honestly. Yeah, because of the alliteration of it. So, Stephen. We haven't talked about the boogeyman yet. We haven't, and we probably should, because he's he's kind of great. Sort of. 
Oh, are we going to fight? Are we going to fight no, today? We're, is that we're what not going to fight. Like, I'm not that. It's not I mean, it is our holiday episode. If I mean, if there's anything family holidays have taught me, it's that fighting is inevitable. <laughs> Which I don't have that experience. Maybe that's because my family's small, but like, we never really I really don't them. fight that often with my family, particularly on holidays. I just know that is the case for a lot of people. It's the stereotype, for sure. It is. Um, no, but like, and maybe this, maybe this because I'm too close to it. Um, mm. But he's so boring like you got like he's supposed to be the fucking boogeyman like he's darkness incarnate and the only cool thing he has is like the big scythe that he uses for one whole scene and a bunch of nightmares which he makes by manipulating the Sandman's power, which I thought was really cool. Like that he waits cool. for the Sandman to show up and then he like leeches on the back of his thing, manipulates it and uses it for his own nefarious ends. What if he could do that with the other Guardian's powers? What if he could do that with, I mean, and that's a thing we don't, unfortunately this movie just doesn't seem interested in exploring is what if he could, you know, manipulate Jack's cold powers and turn those dark somehow. I think that's why he can't and that's why he ends up trying to recruit Jack. Uh, to his mission but like you know what if what if that's something that he had the ability to do what if he could corrupt these you know the powers of these guardians these heroes for his own nefarious ends and and really i, I don't know i'm slightly i'm almost slightly disappointed but i know that this is a kid's story from a kid's book series but the you can't make him too carry, scary, man. This no, is a kid's but like, movie. But also, like, the argument that he gives Jack of, like, nothing goes together better than cold and dark. Mm. Like, how do you not just, like, yeah, you're right. Okay. Like, how do you not just accept right then and there? Because he's, um, the, he's, he's the hero of the movie, right, Brad. You I mean. can't. He, yeah. He's the hero. It's a kid's story. We can't go that dark with it. Right, right. Um, so I get it. But, like. I don't know. There's Even if he joins him for like 10 minutes, you're like, I mean, this is this is dark for a kid's movie, man. Sure. Yeah, like I get that. And then you got to have the whole redemption angle. And this movie just look, it's the runtime on this thing. Not that long. It, this is this is only an hour, 97 minutes, a, a brisk 97 minutes. This movie does not have time for a redemption subplot. It does not. Well, it doesn't have its current runtime. You could have totally written in there, made this, you know, padded out to a two-hour movie. No, here's the thing: if this thing came out in 2022, um, then yeah, hundred percent, that is absolutely what we're doing. We're padding that out. We're like having Jack join forces with Pitch for a while. The Guardians have to convince him why that's a bad idea. That becomes a whole separate thing. And I don't think this movie needs that. Like this movie is, is it's a Swiss watch, man. It it runs. Sure. Like I just look, and again, maybe I'm too close to it, but I just want the boogeyman and the, you know, literal personification of darkness to be not so fucking boring. I mean, he's voiced by Jude Law, man. What do you want? More than that. It's just, it's just Jude Law pitching his voice down a little bit. Like it doesn't. Uh, that is Gigolo fucking Joe. You put some respect on that man's name. Uh, sure. I do. I'm just saying that, like, Sean Penn said that Jude Law was one of our finest actors and almost came to blows with Chris Rock over it. All right. For our sins. Are you, look, I'm not wrong. (laughs) I'm just saying, like, the the boogeyman should have been better. 
That's all. I thought he was kind of. I lo- I loved the look of him. I loved his power set. I loved the scene in the uh, the Tooth Fairy Citadel where he's just kind of taunting them. Um, I loved the manifestation of his power as an extension of the Sandman's and a manipulation of the Sandman's power. I loved the fight scene between him and the Sandman where the Sandman just goes like fucking like just hauls off and just breaks his ass like unreal like that that whole fight scene is unfucking believable like it's so fun um it i just again i like i like the character and, and again he seems like a bad guy who is nefarious and bad enough to cause a struggle for our villain or our heroes but still is able to be defeated um and that's the balance you want for a kid's movie. You don't want to believe the boogeyman's going to kill Santa Claus in a movie like this. In a movie like this. That's the caveat to my entire argument. It like, really is. Yeah. Like, you don't want what I want in a movie like this. Like, exactly. This movie, I want a Brett, different movie. <laughs> we said this in the Legends of Legend of the Guardians. Uh, this movie's not for you. No. It, well, I mean, some of it is. Uh, I mean, look, it's still it's still pretty cool. I feel like this movie might be a little more for you than it is for me. Um, And I liked this movie. I had I had fun with this movie. Um, Is it a perfect movie? No, it's not. But did I have a good time? Yeah, I did. Did I have a better time than I thought I would? Absolutely. I did. I was not anticipating enjoying this movie to the extent that I did. I'm sitting there going, damn, this is fun. Like, I I'm having a good time. I mean, look, it's 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 a real nutcracker in the four realm situation. It movie. is like I ended up liking this movie way more than I thought I was going to, and I guess that's why I'm here saying you could have done so much more. Mm. Like, just, I, but again, that's not this movie, right? I this I, movie can't because this movie is what it is. It can't be what you want it to be, right? I. But I mean, still, at the end of the day, though, I think a solid argument is that, like, could they have dressed him in something a little bit cooler? Because, like, look at all the Guardians. They have, like, flashy outfits. I mean, with the exception of Jack, but, like, Jack's outfit is still cool. Like, And if they'd have done a sequel, it would have been even cooler. Yeah. But, like, all the other ones, like, they, they're flashy. They look like superheroes, like they're supposed to. A little bit, yeah. Why do we just get, like, this, this dude in, like, a long black coat? I mean, the short answer is he's not a guardian. He's just kind of... And, again, that's kind of the argument for Jack, is the whole time Jack's not really a guardian. He's just kind of a schlub off the street. And, I mean, as these kind of legendary figures go, he's kind of a schlub off the street. And so he gets recruited and kind of joins up. And that's exact. I mean... Pitch is pitch short for pitch black. Um, the boogeyman um, is the kind of it, you feel like he was slighted by the man of the moon in the dark ages and he's never quite gotten over it. So he doesn't care about looking cool. He doesn't care about the finer things that were fight. He all he wants is his revenge. All he wants is what was taken from him. And so you get the idea that he's basically just been laying in wait for hundreds of years for the perfect time for him to implement his master plan. Yeah. Or maybe it just took him that long to come up with one. I mean, that makes sense. And I get it. I just, uh, and look, I love a good revenge story. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. This, the, whenever he was on screen, it just always felt like there was something missing. I don't know what it was. He would. Do would you prefer he had been voiced by Christopher Lee? Maybe, like just like a, a more men. Maybe that's what it is—a more menacing voice. 
maybe that's what was missing. I don't really know. Maybe maybe just because he was so bland in terms of aesthetic. But I mean, I don't know. I can see both arguments. I'm kind of arguing with myself at this point. You really are. I'm just um, kind of just I'm just playing devil's advocate saying, has one half of you considered this? What about the other half of you? Have you considered this? Yeah. Yeah, you're just playing both sides at this point and we're going nowhere. Uh, just, like, Welcome to the Disenfranchised Podcast, Brett. Good to have you. <laughs> like at the end of the day, I just want my boogeyman to be scarier. But I know that that's not possible in a movie like this. Right. This scariest, is not that movie. The scariest thing we get is one of the coolest things. You know, turning nightmares into literal mythological nightmares. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was a cool touch. That you can't yeah. really describe out loud without confusing people no but he like takes the dream sand and corrupts it and manipulates it and turns it into something dark and sinister like there are these these things that are supposed to give kids dreams and then but why do nightmares exist if the sandman is the one causing everybody to sleep then shouldn't the dreams all be good well no because there's this boogeyman who's coming in and corrupting them and twisting them and turning them into nightmares well now we're now we're gonna have to take a step back and go well if they if the moon took him out of commission after the dark ages, have people just been having nothing but good dreams ever since because he wasn't corrupting the Sandman stuff until now, or has he been doing it the whole time? I think he's been doing it. I think he's been doing it the whole time. He's just been a lot sneakier about it than he has now because now he knows it's time to implement his master plan. Okay. That's, that's the read that I have. That tracks. Yeah. Okay. And I think that honestly makes the story seem a little better. And again, helps the internal logic of this movie quite a bit yeah and for those uninitiated by the way for those who may not know what the hell i'm talking about um a nightmare is like a demonic black horse that is very prevalent in fantasy lore right but made of sand and with glowing red eyes in this instance yeah yeah they look really fucking cool otherwise they're just they have all sorts of different origins depending on the fantasy lore you're reading okay Um, most of them are just demonic black horses with fire for eyes usually okay but yeah that's that they're pretty cool they are pretty cool and in the end they all turn on at the end they all turn on pitch because he's afraid of them now they're under his control but they smell fear and they go after it kind of like man thing um but they uh they're they they show up at the end and the guardians are like well we're not scared so gee i wonder whose fear they could be smelling now and he runs away and they just chase him down and take him under and it's it's pretty cool it's very much a scar in the hyenas from the lion king kind of an ending yeah maybe that's the other situation where i just have to realize this movie isn't for me right it's for kids you know for kids you know for kids but I mean, but that's a testament to like I, I like it so much. It's like I I want this to be more for me. Give it here, kids. I want this now. And I mean, look, you could you can totally use elements of this for a D and D campaign. You for you know, you can you can make that boogity man as scary and boogity as you want. Yeah. Play up the horror of that booger man. Yeah, I mean, I do love a good horror themed D and D campaign. I had a feeling you did. And then all of your, you can make all of your, um, all of your players create a character based on one of the guardians. That'd be fun. Yeah, I don't know about that. No, that'd be fun. Well, all right, let's do it for the Patreon then. Hell yeah, dude. Hell yeah, I like the, 
I like this plan. Tucker, what do you think of this plan? Um, damn, that's fun. Um, <laughs> yeah, man. So yeah, um, Rise of the Guardians, man. It's fun. Like, is it? Is it's not great, but it's it's fun. Like, I had a good time. I would watch this again. I honestly, I'm kind of tempted to see if it's available on 4K. Yeah. Like, because this is one I would not mind owning. I would probably watch this one again. I would probably watch it at Easter and at Christmas. Yeah, I mean, you've... because while this movie is set at Easter, you've got Santa Claus as a main character and Jack Frost. Those are both winter characters. So that's why this works as a Christmas movie. I know it's not actually a Christmas movie. Shut up. I don't care. Yeah, we don't we don't need to rehash that argument with every single fucking movie anymore. No. Look, just because a movie takes place at Christmas does not mean it's a Christmas movie. And vice versa, really. Just because a movie doesn't take place at Christmas doesn't mean it's not a Christmas movie. Exactly. I'm looking at you people that are arguing Home Alone isn't a Christmas movie now. Fuck off. Man, what, what the internet the internet is is really just a cesspool. Like, what are we even doing anymore? What are we even doing anymore, Brad? I agree. It takes place around Christmas. Just because it doesn't take place on Christmas doesn't fucking make it not a Christmas movie. God you know what? If that's the case, then neither is Die Hard. Because Die Hard does not take place on Christmas. Yeah, take that, bitches. Yeah, bitches. Sorry, I got a little out of hand there. Nah, it's fine. They're bitches. Um, well, anyway, let's let's move on to the segment that we should have been doing from the beginning that we're doing now, so it's fine. Um, right. Does this movie deserve a sequel? You know what? I'm going to say yes. I I had fun with this. I think it made enough at the box office to warrant one. I just think the studio kind of dragged its feet for too long and people lost interest. Like, but yeah, I would have I would have been up for more adventures of the Guardians. I I honestly kind of wanted a post-credit stinger like we got at the very end of Guard of the 2017 Russian film Guardians where they were like um we found more Guardians. Like where Manny comes in and is like Oh, I found more guardians and he's voiced by like, I don't know, Bobcat Goldthwait or something. Yeah, you know, um, my God, more guardians. That's kind of like Christopher Walken doing a Bobcat impression. It dipped a little into Walken. It did. I got a little Walken with it. But no, man, you can't have the man in the moon talk. He's he's the God analog. He doesn't say words. And if he if he does, he needs to be voiced by either Morgan Freeman or Orson Welles. Let's be honest. And Orson Welles has been famously dead since the mid 80s. So, yeah, Morgan Freeman, it is, I guess. Yeah, sure. Um, But uh, but yeah, or maybe Alanis Morissette. But I think it also deserves a sequel. I agree. There's four other books. I want to see whatever the hell. Sandman and the War of Dreams looks like in live action. Fuck yes. It sounds sick as hell. I want to read. I do. I legitimately do want to find all those books in the library and check them out and read them. Or maybe just buy them. Hell. They're kids' books. They can't be that expensive, right? Amazon, come to my aid. You would assume. While you uh, talk to Amazon about how much this book costs. We're going to head over to that corner over there? I'm going to take you over to Brett's Video Game Corner. Because you better fucking believe this movie had a video game. Because it lends itself so well to the genre. Mm Mm-hmm. Um... And this one, uh, it, it was uh, also released in 2012 in uh, coincide with the movie. Um, so this game came out for all major platforms, uh, which all the major platforms at the time were the PlayStation 3, Xbox 360, Wii, Nintendo DS, and Nintendo 3DS. There's a whole lot of Ds. Um, that's what she said. Um, and... 
It was it played a lot like Damn it, Brad. It played a lot like um like Marvel Ultimate Alliance is probably the easiest way to describe it. Okay, uh, that makes sense for like this, yeah. Drop in, drop out, cooperative play up to four people. Uh you leveled up your guardian to get greater attacks and special team moves. And it basically just followed the the story of the movie. Um Although, as you would imagine, the entire voice cast is different. Um, really? They couldn't get all those actors to come back for the video game? Uh, no. What the hell? Why? Um, I can't imagine why. Hmm. Um, and really, the only notable one is uh, Fred Tadasiori? Is that how you pronounce his name? Uh, Fred Tashiori, yeah. Tashiori, yeah. He, and he played Santa Claus. I mean, he'd be good at it. He's, I, I he think he's great, yeah. Yeah, the other ones I don't really recognize. Um, so, um, but uh, unfortunately, the game also did not do well. It's got a uh, Metacritic score of forty-three out of a hundred for the Xbox three hundred and sixty version, and a forty-eight out of a hundred for the Wii U version. Um, so the pricing, the five books in the main series are all like nine dollars for the paperback. And varying prices for the 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 hardcover, I'd say anywhere between ten and fifteen, maybe eighteen bucks for the for the hardcovers. Um, but uh, but yeah, and then like eight or nine dollars for the Kindle versions. But uh, there's also a secondary series that William Joyce wrote um, called. Uh, also called the Guardians or the Guardians of Childhood. And that is the man on the moon or the man in the moon. Sorry. The Sandman colon, the story of Sanderson man snoozy and uh, Jack Frost. So there are, there are three separate, those are picture books specifically. So I don't, I I'm assuming those are different stories uh, than the ones that compose the main series. So. All right. Cool. Good to know. But yeah, so the digital version. So those are affordable. Yeah, paperbacks. You're looking at anywhere from uh, seven eighty three to uh, eight ninety nine per book. So just kind of in the eight to nine dollar range there um, for for each of those five. So honestly, you could probably pick up that whole series for less than fifty bucks. Pretty good. Not too bad at all. Uh, But yeah, so and so I'm guessing you did not play the Guardians uh, Rise of the Guardians video game at all. No, I had zero interest in the movie and the game at the time. So. Fair enough. Uh, now you've got big damn interest in it, though. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. I'm not going to go play the game, though. Sure, I mean, sure. Uh, particularly reading all that about the gameplay. It doesn't really make it seem like you want to do that. Oh, no, honestly, no. The gameplay sounds fun, uh, but apparently the game isn't. I don't know, man. You would... I've got a PS3, uh, I think. No, I have a PS4. Okay. Um, but I'll have a PS3 at some point. You can just come over and we'll co-op Rise of the Guardians, the video game sometime. Sounds fun. Um, so Guardian, Rise of the Guardians comes out on November 16th, 2012, about a little, little, little over 10 years ago. Uh, it opens at number six at the box office, opens to $8.6 million in its opening weekend. Um, it in first place that week, it actually goes up in its second weekend to fifth place. So that's, that's kind of nice in first place that weekend. Also new opening this weekend 
um, a little, well, I guess, no, it might be a re-release actually, but it's uh, Twilight Breaking Dawn Part 2, a movie that you and I, Brett, almost covered on the Patreon once upon a time. Yeah, I really strongly tried to veto that. Luckily, I won that argument, which doesn't happen often. Well, look, it. I didn't really want to do it either. And there was a Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie coming out, so that pretty much made our decision for us. Thank the Jesus. Yes, and he accepts your gratitude. Um, in second place, down from one the week before, it had probably stayed there for its first two weekends. Uh, one of the best, if not the best, James Bond film, Skyfall. Um, damn, that's a good movie. In third place, a uh, little movie called Lincoln. Ever heard of it? Daniel Day-Lewis's third best actor Oscar. Um, in fourth place... Oh, uh, did he fight any vampires in that? No, I'm afraid not. You know what he did fight? Um, Congress well, and the was, racists that lived there. Look, if, if Lincoln ain't fighting vampires, then I'm not really into it. Uh, I don't know. I'd much rather see him fight racists. I mean, more okay, you know, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, who's to say vampires aren't racist? Um, in fourth place, uh, in down from number two the week before is Wreck-It Ralph. Uh, in, in its three weeks, it's earned about $132 million. So trust me, Wreck-It Ralph's doing fine. Um, and uh, in fifth place, uh, the Robert Zemeckis um, Denzel Washington film Flight. Uh, Robert Zemeckis deciding to turn in the motion capture for a little while and do something, you know, just just a regular degular movie again. Uh, rounding out the top 10, you've got in sixth place, of course, Rise of the Guardians. In seventh place, also new this week, Life of Pi. And in eighth place, another new release, Red Dawn, a remake of the 84 film, Red Dawn. Red Dawn, the first film, by the way, to get a PG-13 rating. Fun fact there, the original Red Dawn. Uh, in ninth place, Argo, Fuck Yourself. And in 10th place, Taken 2. What if, what if she got taken again? Uh, off of that 8.6 million opening weekend, it does manage to creep up to 103 in million in the domestic box office. Internationally, it does even more than that, almost double that 203.5 million, uh, for a grand total of 306.9 million dollars, uh, in or for the total worldwide box office. Still not enough to warrant a sequel. Now we're talking a production budget though of 145 million, which is not factoring in uh, things like marketing the movie and things like that. And I do remember this movie getting a pretty decent marketing push, as I recall. Um, so it only earned 100 million domestic, didn't quite cover its cost domestic, and then the worldwide may have pushed it up enough to break even, but maybe it wasn't lucrative enough to to get up all the way up as far as it needed for more sequels. Who's um, to say? Maybe I'm completely unfamiliar with marketing budgets, but it's marketing budget would have been almost as much as it's actual budget. Potentially. For fuck's sake. Why? Uh, I mean, it depends on the marketing push, dude. Like you're getting your, your, you're hiring people to make trailers. You're buying airtime on in, on, major primetime markets and on major streaming services to promote your movie, uh, billboards, bus ads, just cause we don't see them in the Midwest. Doesn't mean they're not doing those in other parts of the world. Um, radio. I mean, any, any kind of, anytime you see a commercial, the studio is paying out of pocket for that ad, for that ad time and that ad space. And they're doing that not just in the, the major markets, but they're doing that in every market. And sometimes they're doing that 
globally as well. So those marketing budgets really can creep up. Yeah, sure. I mean, I'm not saying they're not expensive. None of that is not expensive just because I don't see it with my eye holes. But it seems ridiculous to me that your marketing budget is the exact same budget as the whole ass movie. Seems crazy. Pure insanity. Cut that shit out. You're wasting money. Tucker cut all that out. No, wait. That's not what. No, I was talking to Hollywood. Oh, damn. Right, 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 right. Hollywood, cut that out. (laughs) Hollywood, cut all that out. Um, it, I mean, honestly, it can be anywhere from like 35, the average market, the average movie cost is, is closer to like a hundred million for marketing. So a blockbuster could potentially be even more. Man, somebody needs to do something about these billionaires. They have to be stopped. I say grab a fork. We're going eating boys. Nom, 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 nom. Uh, speaking of eating the rich, have you seen the menu yet? No. It's a damn fun movie. It's only been a few days since you asked me that. You think I've really gotten out to the theater? I didn't. I didn't ask you on mic though, so I wanted to just clarify. Oh, for okay, gotcha. Okay. Yeah, yeah. No, I have not. I it's, need to go see it. No, don't it's worry. it's really fucking fun, dude. I think you'll have a blast. Ray Fiennes is is just majestic. He's so good as he always is. But Fair. um, but yeah. So Rise of the Guardians. It's a uh, tomatometer score of seventy four percent. Certified fresh. This movie is. Uh, 80% audience score. This movie is loved. People like it. The critics consensus a sort of Avengers for the elementary school set. Rise of the Guardians is wonderfully animated and briskly paced, but it's only so-so in the storytelling department, which I I have to kind of give it there. The story is a little lackluster. The characters are really what carry this movie for me, which is rare. That doesn't happen often. Mm. The Metascore is a 58 based on mixture average reviews from 37 critics. And the Letterboxd score is a 3.5. Brett, on a scale of 1 to 5, how do you rate Rise of the Guardians from 2012? Um, I made a bullseye on the average and go with 3.5. That's exactly where I landed as well. Like, we're right in line with the Letterboxd average, which happens... Almost never, but damn it, if this movie is not a lot of fun, is it perfect? No, but is it is it a damn good time? Yeah, it kind of is. And I kind of want to see more of these characters do more Guardian-y kind of fun shit. I would too. This is why I'll probably go read the books. Yeah, I and again, pretty cheap. And if you get a library card, even cheaper. So... There you go, man. Uh, yeah, a lot of fun. Um, check check this one out. It is currently streaming on Tubi and Freebie right now with ads. So you can absolutely check this one out. Make this part of your of your holiday season watch through, particularly if you've got a family. Kids of all ages are going to have a blast with this movie. So. Also on Amazon Prime. Oh, also on Amazon Prime. There you go. With commercials. But still with commer- uh, that's through. I mean, you can get Freebie, I think, through Amazon Prime. So that does that. That tracks. That makes sense. There you go. But yeah, there you go. I think actually, I take that back. It's not on Tubi at all. It's on Freebie. There, there were Freebie ads during the movie. So right. So yeah, it it is. I actually had to remember. Like no, this one's this one wasn't on Tubi. You're thinking of Kirk Cameron saving Christmas. That was on Tubi. Uh, this is on Freebie. Yes. Speaking, Speaking Brett, of of Kurt Cameron saving Christmas, um, we mentioned a couple of weeks ago that we did. Uh, we sat down with our buddy Tucker to do an "Oops All Christianity" corner episode on Kevin Smith's Dogma. 
Uh, this week or in preparation for Christmas, we sat down with Tucker again to do another Oops All Christianity Corner on the truly abysmal Kirk Cameron's Saving Christmas from 2014. Uh, yes, it is a movie we all watched. Um, well, it's a something we all watched. I'm not sure if many of us are willing to call it a movie, but we did all watch it. And you know what, Brett? I'm going to do something I've never done before because it's Christmas. Okay. And because it's the season of giving. All right. We're going we're gonna to put this up on the Patreon feed, but Brett, I'm going to make it public. So that means that anybody can listen to it, regardless of whether they are a patron or not. I, I love this plan. I'm excited to be a part of it. This is a this is a, a, a free Patreon episode, basically. So if you want to get a feel for um, what what kind of discussions we have behind the paywall on the Patreon, if you want to maybe get a feel for if you want to hear me reference like 20 different things that we talked about in the dogma episode and you not have any kind of recollection of them. Um, check, check out that episode. And, and then, you know, if you like what you hear, maybe slide a few bucks our way, patreon.com slash disenfranch pod. Um, we've got three different tiers. There's the $1 tier, which honestly gives you access to quite a bit. The $3 tier, which gives you access to uh, a little bit more. And then the $5 tier, which pretty much gives you access to everything, including unenfranchised, the occasional series where we talk about movies that killed your favorite franchises. And, Maybe maybe we'll we'll reconnoiter some things and come up with some new shows here in the new year. We're yeah. we're we're kicking some things around in the office. We're gonna rearrange the Patreon a little bit. So uh that won't those changes will not take effect until after the first of the year, though, I assure you. So um whatever level you join at before the end of the year, that level will hold. And Brett, we're only a few more patrons away from getting the very first Patreon goal, uh, which is 10, 10 patrons, and I will record and release the uh, the Tangina soundboard. Um, Brett, you can die, girl. Where I basically just pretend to be Zelda Rubenstein for like 10 minutes. So, yeah. Still going with that one, huh? I, I guess, man. I don't know. No one's come up with anything better. All right. I don't know, patrons. What, what, tell you what, what would incentivize you to become a patron uh, over at patreon.com slash disenfranch pod? Shoot us an email and let us know disenfranchpod at gmail.com. And who knows, I might change that goal to something you might consider joining for. Um, you can also support us if you want to support us by uh, hopping on over to Apple Podcasts or Spotify, really wherever you get your podcasts and writing us a nice juicy five-star rating and review. Uh, that really does go a long way. And honestly, I can't think of a better Christmas present for us then if you've been kind of holding off on it or just haven't done it yet, sliding on over there and writing us a five-star rating and review. And uh, who knows, we might start reading those here on the podcast and thanking you personally. So um, if you have done that already, we thank you. If you're going to do that, we thank you even more. Thank you guys so much for that. And in some cases, we'd let you become a guest. Sometimes it's happened. It's happened. It so, has happened a few times in point of fact. Know. You never know. Uh I think that's uh, how we got Tucker on. Uh, I think that's how we got uh, Garrett Garricardi on uh, from the Fly Casual podcast. Um, just like, yeah, it Stranger Things. And actually, there's a guest coming up in 2023 that I've I need to reschedule because he was supposed to be on this year, but he he started you know emailing and lived, leaving reviews and. He, he suggested an episode and we're going to have him on to talk about it. So, yeah. Uh, didn't uh, Landon, isn't Landon one of them? Landon's one, of, yeah, Landon's one as well. Absolutely. Yeah. So How could you forget Landon, Stephen? I would never forget Landon. I'm sorry, Landon. Landon, I love you. Um, 
I think he's just going to be happy we said his name. <laughs> um, honestly, the Willow episode's doing great. So thank you, Landon, for that. Huzzah. Yay. Um, but yeah, so um, you can find us on social media too. We're on uh, Instagram, Twitter for now, Letterboxd and Facebook at DisenfranchPod. Uh, I'm your host, Stephen Foxworth. You can find me, fuck, a Hive and Mastodon, though I'm not really doing anything there. I'm still on Twitter for the time being, Instagram and Letterboxd at Chewy Walrus. Brett, where can we find you? Uh, with me believing that social media is a total dumpster fire cesspool that nobody should be a part of, I'm still on is. Instagram and Letterboxd at sus, S-U-S underscore Warlock. And there you go. That is where you can find us. That is that is our Christmas episode. Brett, we've got one more episode left in 2022. Gee, I wonder what it could be. You know what, Stephen? You know, no, you Brett, know, I don't. You know what time it is? Oh, Brett, don't don't you even say it. Don't you fucking dare. It's morbid time. Damn it. <laughs> Fuck. So as you know, we typically do cover at the end of the year a failed franchise starter from the previous year. That's something we've done the last two years. In 2020, it was Artemis Fowl. In 2021, it was uh, Chaos, Chaos Rising. Was that the name of that movie? I think so. I've already fucking forgotten that movie. So I forgot that movie almost immediately after I watched it. So did everybody else. Honestly. And that has gotten so much worse. I, If you go back and listen to that episode, I can barely remember that movie as we're talking about it. And I'd watched it the day before. The only thing I remember is the Paladin idea I got for D&D. There you go. I was just reminded of. I need to write that down. Please do before you forget it again. That movie cannot be held in, in a brain space for longer than a few minutes. So when we were considering what episode we could cover, we had options. We had Confess Fletch. We had Black Adam. I even kicked around the idea of, un- uh, of Uncharted, which Brett kind of poo-pooed. No, no the, one, the one and only idea that Brett was excited about, ladies and gentlemen, the only one he thought it could possibly be, and I, I didn't want to talk about it. I didn't want to have to fucking watch it, but I have to now. It's on Netflix as of the time of this recording. Hopefully it remains on Netflix through the end of the year. Um, I'm talking about the 2022 attempt at a blockbuster called fucking Morbius. It's not called fucking Morbius. It's just called Morbius, but fucking Morbius. Look, man, look, it was a meme. It was a huge meme for a I know. long time. It we probably like... should have struck while the iron was hot instead of <laughs> now when it's tepid and lukewarm. No, I mean, it's still going to be fine. Look, before, remember last time we leaned into an internet meme? You know how That's good true. That that's true. That That is, to date, our most downloaded episode. We've got almost 300 downloads on that damn thing, so, which is yeah. good for us. Shut up. Right. We're, yeah. we're a tiny podcast. Shut up. Right. Yeah. And, and here I am saying, you shut up for, enough for like being so against covering it. Right. I might have been excited to cover it because I don't think it's as bad as everybody says it is. It's bad. Don't get me wrong. I haven't seen it. I've held off because I knew but I it, would probably have to watch it for this podcast one day and I didn't want to. But it's not as bad as everybody is saying it is. I think that's really been blown up and over-exaggerated. For to be memes. fair, though, you are also a Spider-Man and Morbius fan. so Yeah, but Spider-Man ain't nowhere to be seen. And any ties to it are ridiculous and reaching further than Kirk Cameron saving Christmas. Um, <laughs> Again, a reference you do you will not understand for another three days. <laughs> and just, I mean, look, Jared Leto. Jared Leto, going to Jared Leto. Mm, um, God, now, I wish he didn't. Which balanced out by Matt Smith, who was fucking great in that movie. Um, maybe that's what saves it, is the Matt Smith of it all. Mm. Um, you know, I mean, I am a Morbius fan. Don't get me wrong. 
maybe that's why I do. So for you, all the time is Morbin time. Yeah, honestly. Um, if any of you out there are playing Marvel Snap on your phones or your PC, um, I do have a Morbius deck. Um, it is, and the name of the deck is titled "It's Morbin Time." Look! Look at how surprised I am right now, Brett. Just the um, shock and awe on my face. I mean, look! It's, it's a real fun deck to play. Um, I'm climbing the ranks with it, so it's it's good too. Uh, and I got yeah, so yeah, it's it's fun. Go play Marvel Snap if you're not playing it. It's a lot of fun if you like card games. Okay. A lot of really um, good artwork. A lot of really good Marvel artwork there too. So yeah, um, we are. So yeah, there, there you go. Uh, I'm not playing, but maybe I should. Maybe you should. Um, maybe I should. I don't know. Maybe maybe I will. We'll talk after. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll have a conversation. Um, so yeah, we uh, that that is that's our Christmas. Episode. We usually don't announce the next episode at the end of the show, but this one's literally been on the calendar all fucking year, basically since since that movie came out. Actually, since the second time they came out with that movie. Yeah. When they attempted to re we're, we're going to talk about it next week. We have they misread to. the room when they did not oh, read the room correctly. Did they ever misread the room? Oh, geez. Like, Oh, look at all these memes. This is the perfect time to bring this movie back. Is it though? Mm. Um, and you better believe whoever convinced anyone to do that got fired. Um, we're laughing at you. Not right. With you. No, exactly. Cause we know you're not laughing. This is a sore spot in your life and probably maybe the worst decision you've ever made. Um, but uh but yeah we're we're gonna get into all of that next week like this this it had to be this it was only ever going to be this so there you go that is the end uh of our christmas episode that is the end of our guardians mini series we hope you enjoyed it again not a full theme month just a little mini series right in the middle of literally right in the middle of the month we started with willow we're ending with morbius and this kind of guardians trilogy just kind of fits neatly right in between so there you go um happy holidays merry christmas whatever you celebrate however you celebrate we hope that you have a safe and peaceful uh and uh well we hope you remain well um through through this season this is uh this can be a tough time for a lot of people if you if you need help get help uh ask someone please talk to somebody um we love you we're your friends and uh you can talk you can talk to us brett will answer you um Look, I'm very familiar with mental illness. I have a lot of it myself. And I wanted to be a psychologist for the longest time. So if you need help and have nobody else to talk to, hit me up on Instagram. Yeah, his DMs are open. My DMs, well... If my they're account, not open, my account is private, but I think my DMs are open. So I was going to say, if if look if well, if your account's private, your DMs probably aren't open. But uh, fair enough. Well, let's shoot me a friend request, and I will, you know, as long as you don't look like a bot, I think we'll be okay. I mean, unless that's your fetish, in which case we're not here to kink shame. No. Um. But yeah, no. like, but seriously, no. Like, reach out. Um. You can you can even email us disenfranchised at gmail dot com, uh, and I'll let yeah. Brett know that you called. Yeah. Um. So yeah, we've look, um, it's, it's a rough time. It's been, a, it, it's been a rough year for, for a lot of people, myself included. Um, but you know what? We all need friends. So, um, you, you've got a friend in the disenfranchised podcast. Uh, we hope you have a, a like, a, like I said, a very safe holiday season. Uh, we hope you're, we hope you're doing well. Um, and we wish you all the best through this season and into the new year. Although we are going to see you next year. So I'll probably say that again next week. Anyway, I'm rambling at this point. Um, I am your host, Stephen Foxworthy, for my co-host, Brett Wright, and myself. Until next time, Brett. In Soviet Russia, snowball you. (laughs) 